Welcome to The Mindful Mess with Gene and Matt. I'm Gene. And I'm Matt. Let's make sense of our mess together. together. Hey, everyone. This is Matt. I'm a psychiatrist who is a queer, autistic, and an ex-Mormon survivor of trauma from conversion therapy. As an empath with emotionally impulsive nature, I seek growth in managing my reactions while learning how others experience the world. And a little bit about me, I'm Jean. Um, I am a first-generation queer Chinese-American, um, and I'm a fitness professional working in the city. Um, and a lot of what I'm bringing uh, to this conversation is uh, actually learning a little bit about the culture gap that I've kind of experienced my whole life and figuring out how to navigate my life experience through that cultural lens. Um, and I identify as someone who's uh, very analytical and very philosophical, but what I want to bring forth in this podcast is to uh, learn how to bring more emotionality to those conversations and ascribe deeper meaning to the things that we experience in our lives. We feel like uh, we both kind of bring two very different experiences and we hope that we can impart um, some of that on each other mm -hmm. um, in a way to find balance in our lives. Yeah. And we hope you guys enjoy, enjoy the ride with us. Okay. Welcome back to the Mindful Mess. We are on episode, oh, what now? Eight. It's episode eight. And our topic for today is going to be vulnerability. We were talking last week about communication and boundaries, and we felt like vulnerability was a really pertinent and expansive theme that we wanted to dedicate another episode to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we felt like it would be a good follow-up to our conversation on boundaries and communication and relationships um, because of how um, integ how uh, uh, much an integral part of like relationships that vulnerability can play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think vulnerability is a... It's like a um, way of life. <laughs> it's like a philosophy. You know, this belief, yeah. this belief of um, showing yourself. Yeah. Right? It, it, yeah, I think um, it's required for authenticity. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, th I mean, uh, I think before we get into all of that, I guess we could first just, um, I don't know. Try to provide a colloquial definition of vulnerability. Yeah, how do, do you, you how do you see vulnerability or like what is, what do you... To you, what does it mean to be vulnerable? To be vulnerable is to be willing to take emotional risks um, by expressing genuine, just expressing genuine emotion and expressing genuine sentiments and thoughts as well. So like that could come in a lot of different contexts. Like. I just think of some of the ways that I think vulnerability shows up in day to day, like little things, like being vulnerable is kind of like, if someone comes up to you and asks you, hey, how are you today? You have the choice of sort of saying the typical thing to respond with, which is good, and how about you? Or you can choose to be vulnerable and say, I'm actually, I'm having kind of a rough day, like this thing happened to me, and um, I'm, I'm in a little bit of a poor mood about it. Mm -hmm. That's an example of being vulnerable. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, I think of this like going to the movies and you watch a movie and the movie has very moving themes and it's really sad um, and uh, like crying. Like let's say you go mm -hmm. with a friend, go with friends to a movie 
to be vulnerable means to like if the movie makes you cry like to cry and being like Let oh my know. god like I'm like I'm a mess because like I think to show that you were deeply affected by something in front of others is also a form of vulnerability mm-hmm. um, and I also think that showing genuine excitement like for example um, if you're really into something very nerdy that like and you know like there's I feel like the word nerdy itself is sort of like a it's a stereotyping type of word like and I what I mean where I'm, where I'm coming from when I say this is like people will oftentimes say things like oh it's really really nerdy but like I was reading this book on like molecular biology or I was like reading this book about like like 18th century art yeah or, like, and, and then like they have to like defend it you know uh-huh. and it's like instead like you could be vulnerable and be like oh my god I'm like tell so, you. Yeah, I'm so into this thing. That's a form of yeah. vulnerability to me too. I think ultimately what you're talking about is vulnerability is being comfortable like allowing others into your internal experience. Yeah. Um and accepting that, you know, that might be putting yourself out on a limb and that might not be received always in the way that you'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. Um but allowing that to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's being willing to take the risk mm-hmm. um, because you are open enough to forming a connection, or that you maybe trust your audience to meet that expression of vulnerability with love or with acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I think for that reason, it's a very very hard thing to do. To yeah, and I think um, I mean the reason I think it piggybacks so well off of boundaries is because in order to have discussions about boundaries, you have to be vulnerable. You have to reveal to someone that you are hurt or upset. You have to reveal to them that something doesn't um, sit right with you. Mm. Um, and that allows them um, a glimpse of like your, uh, like behind the wall, really. Um, it allows them to have maybe some personal information about you that if they're not a, like that, yeah, if they are potentially not a safe person, it could be used against you. Um, and so there's that, like that another, like a potential risk that can Mm -hmm. come from that. Um, but I think that it's so important and that's why it's like, we talk about maybe it being a part of connection as well. Um, because without that, um, relationships would just be really superficial. Um, and, uh, I think it, it feels hard to feel like, uh, you can have kind of meaningful relationships without it. Yeah. I think it's, I agree with you. I think that vulnerability has always been... It's long been, my understanding is like the sort of key ingredient or the secret sauce to developing closer connection with others. Mm-hmm. Because I think about like, and we talked a little bit about this with relationships, is there's, I think there's ways that people tend to like form relationships. It might be like, I work with this person, so I have a relationship with this person because of work. Or I have a relationship with this person because. Um, they're my family member I'm related by blood mm-hmm. I have the relationship with this person because we share a common interest we like we both found each other in this like kickball league so we both like are friends and have a relationship because of that 
or or this discord chat room or we've been neighbors <laughs> or yeah like it could be a number of different social contexts which are top typically environmentally driven mm-hmm. or time bound in some way and my thought is that like the environment within which you exist as well as how long you've known each other honestly i mean i think they're important parts of deepening a relationship like generally speaking if you are engaging in a pleasant and, and, and exciting environment together you tend to form more meaningful connection and also if you spent longer with a person you tend to but my belief is that without vulnerability none of those things quite clicks yeah i um, think when you probably when you look back at relationships that maybe over time have progressed to something more personal um or become more dear to you you can probably see times where um you allowed the other person to see uh, a different side of you than just like the facade you put up for the rest of the world Mm. Um, maybe even if it's like a work call like someone from work maybe um, they like saw you in a, a really stressful situation that you were navigating and therefore they saw a different side of you and how you navigated that Maybe you had an emotional response um, that then maybe you weren't really proud of. And so you had to go and maybe apologize for that. And and, um, and owning something like that and apologizing for it like takes vulnerability um, to re- like recognize, maybe be embarrassed about something and own up to it. Yeah, I think that, I think, I mean, on the topic of where it shows up in the workplace that's probably like one of the most challenging places mm-hmm. contacts in one's life i feel like there is a because like your work is tied to your livelihood right and tied to your income there is this sense that like there is a performance there's a very real performance motivation mm-hmm. of being like i need to like be on top of things but i f- i feel that developing close relationships at work in my conversations and in my current education this is one of the most influential determinants of workplace satisfaction and a sense of belonging to your organization which ultimately promotes productivity camaraderie and ultimately success as a company and as a business because like i think the ability to feel connected and feel like you see and Mm -hmm. feel seen by those around you by way of vulnerability is a huge part of mental health and psychological satisfaction um, and connection um that's like it's it's interesting to me i think you said like the sort of facade of how we present to the world and i think that as much as as much as many of us maybe identify or at least aspire to live sort of authentically 100 percent in the world most of us tend to not not be right we tend to be probably code switching in Mm -hmm. some way or another presenting in a way that we feel like is most appropriate for that social context. Yeah. And to me, I think of vulnerability as the necessary counter to those cultures. There's a certain, there's a vulnerability. It's almost like it, it cuts through the fat um, mm-hmm. because it is an expression of who you really are below those contexts. Yeah. I think in some way, like as we go about in the world, um, there are going to be some ways that we might choose to show up with vulnerability. Like, let's say, um, 
I might choose to dress in a way that goes against social norm or stereotype um, mm-hmm. of how like society says you know like um, someone who was um, assigned male at birth should uh, should dress in the world or and I might wear something that um, maybe like for instance like paint my nails um, or like wear my like have my hair be longer or wear clothes that maybe are a little more flowy um you know like that um and that might be while i maintain maybe a um a certain front in other ways um that might be a way that i choose to be somewhat vulnerable um Mm -hmm. and feel be a little more like show my authentic self um but now while i might be dressed that way um i can be vulnerable in that way i might not like with this person that i'm interacting with i might not necessarily like the barista at the coffee shop is who's like oh how was your day today i might not that like fall to pieces and like tell them about whatever like (laughs) really troubling thing i'm going through in this moment i might say oh i'm all right like thanks for the Mm -hmm. coffee um because i just don't have the capacity to be vul- show up vul- in that way vulnerably mm. um, and so like context can be different I think um, like the it is also a gift vulnerability yeah. is a gift you choose to bestow upon others mm-hmm. um, that showing of yourself mm-hmm. and so I agree with you I think there's situational context where it's like okay like I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna like, like talk to someone I meet for the first time and just like sob in front of them about like childhood trauma yeah like that's a little too vulnerable yeah right but at or the same, that's maybe where we get into that like overshare yeah but there's like scalable vulnerability right mm-hmm. like i feel like you can and that's in, in my in my experience that's the way that you build it up in relationships over time is that you test it by yeah. giving giving little doses of vulnerability and showing of yourself and then what happens is if your audience demonstrates a reciprocity and, and an ability to be trusted with that vulnerability then you can tap a little deeper mm-hmm. and then tap a little deeper again and you know that's I think how that's how to me some of my most meaningful relationships have formed yeah I think um, I think that's exactly I mean been my experience as well um, you know or you let someone um, see a little more of you than you show the rest of the world and you see how they handle it and depending on how they handle it you then decide for yourself if that's someone that you can um, continue to be open and genuine with Um, or you decide on like as we like going back to the relationships um, episode you decide on like what box to put them in like maybe that okay based on this how they responded to this bit of vulnerability that I showed um, they're they're now going to be in the acquaintance box um, rather than friend box or like close friend um, mm-hmm. um, and uh, or otherwise like based on like this person is somebody that I can trust this person is somebody who could be a dear friend right right Not, yeah and in addition to this kind of like I also do believe a little bit in like there's a there's also kind of like a vibe sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like when you're sitting down across from a person and I'm sure that, like, the world of psychology has broken this down into, like, classifications and, like, term terminology in, like, a formalized way. 
but like you sit down with someone and like you know they have very open body language or they make very direct eye contact with you um, or um, they just have a really nurturing spirit and you can mm-hmm. tell that they take great care in how they respond to you that one for me is a big one um, I'm someone who I think very I think pretty carefully about how I'm going to craft a response especially when you start talking about sensitive topics it's very important for me to get language right so when I sit across from someone who I can tell is carefully crafting their response and doing it with reverence and with mindfulness not only is that like an instant turn on for one but for two it shows me that like this is someone who understands that we're about to enter a vulnerable space and is treating and is holding it carefully and, mm. and recognizes the gift that it is. And especially if then if they're willing to offer it back. So like, I guess what I'm saying is you can kind of feel it out a little bit based on the mechanics of how you're physically and, and ment- emotionally interacting with each other in such a way that you can like, okay, I can kind of trust, I can kind of trust this person with this information. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that came to mind is when you're talking about the idea of like, especially like presenting as a queer person and choosing to present that way like in my mind the phrase that came up was that vulnerability and courage are really to me two sides of the very same coin Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of times people tend to perceive there is a common perception that vulnerability is weakness oh you can't show people that like you're that you're buckling under the stress. Yeah. You can't show people that you're actually having a really hard time with this. You can't show people that like you don't know what you're doing, right? When in fact, it's really quite the opposite. It's that it makes you a lot more relatable and it makes you a lot yeah. more human. And that vulnerability is courage in yeah. a lot of contexts. Unfortunately, people, I feel like, turn on others who show up with vulnerability. And we'll, we'll hear, oh, like you're so sensitive or oh man like this person's drama i mean we all know that the person who calls out drama is usually the most dramatic one um (laughs) they're the ones where drama seems to follow um Uh and like uh but like those are the kinds of like it gets turned again on people it gets weaponized against them um and it's really unfortunate and so but why do you think that happens though because i my thing the people the people who respond that way is their vulnerability makes them afraid um because um to them it's scary um well i mean it it is it can be scary but like it's something that they don't have that courage um they don't have the courage to show up in that way and so um instead of like instead of own maybe their own fear um they end up projecting on other people um and uh and that's uh i think like an ego defense yeah i mean i agree with you i think there's so much there because the question that came to mind when you said that as i was like it makes them afraid but like i want to know what is it about it about that exchange that triggers fear what are they afraid of you know what are they afraid of um to me like yeah. I mean, I think of two things. I think they're both, like, they're afraid of, um... They don't know how to perhaps cope with someone else's discomfort? Well, I think it, it, um... Because I think in order to... In order to show up for somebody else who's being vulnerable, you have to be vulnerable yourself. And they're not, they can't. Mm-hmm. And so those people that respond that way, they can't be authentic and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to like uh, and so they might respond by um 
by explaining that it's the other person's problem rather than admitting to themselves that it's theirs. Yeah, so I thought I thought something similar. The one the only place where I felt like I could go with that in my mind at this time is like there there's a pressure to reciprocate. Like this person is just vulnerable with me. Oh no, like the next mechanic of this conversation is that like I ought to meet them there and also be vulnerable in in, in return or in response. And that there's this fear of like, but I don't want to or I don't know how to or perhaps even fearing the closeness. Yeah, I think it's probably some fear of closeness. And yes, I think a lot of times we feel like we have to... Um, or fear of being, of acknowledging your own shortcomings. Yeah. Because vulnerability is sometimes... like It's one way it shows up is acknowledging your shortcomings or acknowledging mistakes. Yeah. And people who are maybe not comfortable acknowledging their shortcomings or mistakes struggle with vulnerability because they're just not versed in that language. I think it's a... I think it's a maybe a, a lack of capacity to be empathetic as well. Um, mm. Because even though you might not share like a similar kind of story, like let's say somebody expresses a, um, a piece of their past um, in vulnerability or with vulnerability. Like, yeah, the person hearing it, to be empathetic, you have to be vulnerable. That doesn't mean you have to share the same, like share your own trauma um like and show up in that way in fact like that's actually i think it's commonly people feel like oh i need to equally share something but actually that's that's actually not the right way to go about that Mm -hmm. um well here's my trauma no like um i know a lot of times we want like others to feel like we relate with them um and so maybe feel like we have to reciprocate in that way Mm -hmm. but people when they're sharing when they're vulnerable that way they don't want to be related to they just want to be heard um, they want somebody to be empathetic with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the problem in like then trying to relate with them is we miss that opportunity for empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and in relating with them, in fact, we're not being vulnerable because it's, if it's just like, we're doing it out of a sense of obligation to like, Oh, let me show you that you're not alone here. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, that it happens, uh, that it happened to me too. Um, it ends up like just um, missing, I think, the the point of why the person was sharing it with you in the first place. That's interesting. I mean, I'm someone who... I can, I can be the first to say that I'm guilty of doing that. Is that, like, I've used that as a strategy, as a way to try to create relation and create connection. Is to kind of being, like... Kind of thinking of, like, okay, like, I've been in a similar spot as this person... So I guess out of an effort to demonstrate that I understand, I'll share a story in which I felt a similar, in which I perceived to feel, in which I felt a similar way to what I'm perceiving this person feeling now. But what you're saying is that like that's not necessarily as effective for the recipient of that exchange, right? Yeah, it's just like hearing it now. Now, if it, I mean, there can be times where maybe if you know this person, and you know that like the story that they're sharing the reason that they have so much pain around it or that it's really hard for them is because they feel like um, there's something wrong with them for it and, like, they're the only one or they feel like no one can relate, that, like, there's somehow this a lot of shame tied to that and that, therefore, might um, help them to know that they're not the only ones that experience that. Mm-hmm. If it's used in a way that benefits the other person, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's really more, which more commonly is what's happening, is people just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, like, can there be some space after you've sat and listened to them and just sat in the emotion with them um, to then maybe, uh, like, say, um, um, would it be helpful if I, like, shared with you my own experience? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that gives them the opportunity to let you know if that's a space where, um, where it would be helpful to hear what you've gone through yourself. Yeah. Because I think the core of that that sentiment is this desire to, it's desire to demonstrate that you understand, and it's also a desire to try to communicate that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like in my in my experience interacting with others and being a human, <laughs> in a human world, that when you feel sad or you feel at a loss or you feel desperate or lonely or whatever like these emotions like this kind of family of emotions is that one of the comforting things is to is to kind of think to yourself you're not alone in this um that there's there's others who have been through the same thing like and then and they'll they're surviving it so you'll survive it too but i think more often than not people want to know that they're not alone by knowing that you can hold um what they're telling you and be there for them um where i think a lot of times what's actually happening when we want to share a story to relate is we're uncomfortable sitting with the emotion that they're experiencing. And so one of the ways that we like, um, kind of get out of that is by being like, Oh, well, like, here's my, here's how I went through that too. Um, instead of, uh, instead of just sitting and being with them Mm. in that uncomfortable feeling or that, like, uh, um, that upset. Um, and again, like after you've sat in the upset or the like the sadness, the grief, the pain, whatever, um, after you've sat in that with them and been there for them and been a like an ear um, and, and heard and seen them, um, yeah, you can offer um, the uh, your own experience um, if that that's something that they would like um, in that moment. Yeah. But I think um, I think that we miss a chance to deepen connection and. Um, um, through with empathy if we try to instead of sit in the emotion with them jump right into um, like telling our own story mm. yeah that one gives me I mean that's definitely one I should I like should think on because I think I'm someone who I don't I, th- I think I'm someone who also doesn't I don't necessarily sit with my emotions in the same ways that I think like I don't know, like maybe a more emotionally minded person would otherwise do. Like I don't um, think you should like mm-hmm. be down on like a like um. Oh, I don't know. I I, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't necessarily think of this as being like oh you're you've been going about this the wrong way this whole time. It's more so just coming from this place of I'm I'm reflecting on like to what degree do I let myself sit with my emotions? Mm. You know, because I'm definitely someone like we talked about thinker feelers. Like I'm a thinker. Like, yeah. If I feel uncomfortable. My immediate response is like, what made me uncomfortable? Vanquish it, right? Make it go away, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, because if the, if the cause doesn't exist, then the negative feelings don't exist, Yeah. right? Um, and I think I've learned to process and kind of being like, you can't vanquish everything that causes you negative feelings. And like, for the ones that you can't, you have to figure out how to negotiate those a little differently. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm definitely someone who like still, I definitely think that I can sit, I can let negative emotions enter this place where I'm like 
it creates a stress, right? Yeah. Um, that that tends to lead to swifter action than it does reflection. Uh-huh. And what tends to happen is I'll often act and then reflect. And I think what we're describing is there might be more of a reversal for some other folks where there's a tendency to want to sit and reflect first and let it marinate and then being like, okay, now I'm going to act. I think when, I think, it, well, I think it's more about when we're just in the context of talking about vulnerability. Mm. Like, I think if we're really wanting to be vulnerable, we sometimes just have to sit in it. Um, mm-hmm. And and I do want to, like, bring this back. I want to, I think it's important to highlight and bring this back to kind of our discussion from last um, from our last conversation mm. about boundaries and communication and that's like best intent like assuming best intent because ab- like I absolutely I'm not at all saying that like the way you go about it is wrong like mm-hmm. uh, you have a wonderful intention um, and that's to like help mm-hmm. um, and in some way to try and like um, like assuage um, or assuage the uh, yeah. the um like the emotion there, maybe dispel it, kind of uh, try and improve the situation, which is a really wonderful instinct. Um, um, it just might not always not be, be what the person They're wants. Not be yeah, it's one thing to want to help, but like we know that effort, effort applied does not um, necessarily guarantee that it's the right solution. Mm-hmm. You can work really hard. Like if the analogy that comes to mind is like, you can go to the gym for an hour five days a week and not necessarily get in shape. Yeah. Because if you're putting in a shitload of effort, but, like, it's not the right kind of effort, you're not going to get the outcome you want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I want to, like, gain muscle, and you go, to the, you go to the gym and you just run five miles every day. I mean, like, sorry, like, that's not kind of how that goes. Like, mm-hmm. you need to sit and reassess, like, what is it that you actually need yeah. in order to achieve this? And, and, the, and recognizing that with emotions and with feelings and the sometimes the the chaos that follows or, or or that is tied with it it can't be that cut and dry it's it's definitely it can be more complex than that mm-hmm. and i think i still think that there can be a problem solving mindset around when you're going through tough feelings but it's a little bit you have to kind of take greater care with it yeah yeah, I think um, it kind of reminds me of like the like we were talking about with that Stutz documentary mm-hmm. where Jonah Hill was like, you know, you go to your friends and you want them to listen, mm-hmm. but then they just want to give you advice, but then they just they try to give you advice. Because um, they're trying to help you. They yeah, want to help you. Yeah, because they care and they want to help. Like, I, I mean, this just happened to me like with like some friends I te- was texting and I li- and like literally started the conversation with, I just need help understanding this situation. Because mm-hmm. like... Um, um, and then I like express like, um, like, a I told them a situation, um, that like I've been kind of struggling with, like trying to see it from a new perspective. Um, and like, they just like went right into advice. Like, mm. <laughs> I was just like, I just need help with the, like, really just help me understand. Yeah. Like, uh, um, yeah. And then just like telling me what to do. And I was like, no, like, that's not what I was really looking for. Yeah. But, like, even when you might express that to somebody, it's a very common instinct to for people to go right into trying to fix it. I think that's true. I think that's true. But it's it's a good point you raise, that, like, that could be coming from a place of earnestness, but it could also be coming from a place of, like, 
an unwillingness to sit with negative emotions and kind of being like, I have to make it go away, you know, in a way that's maybe not entirely healthy. Um, what was I thinking about? There was one more thing I was thinking about in relation to this. Oh, yeah. One thing that I'm trying to do... Actually, I think I do it pretty well. So, when someone... When I recognize that someone has shared something rather vulnerable with me, one of the ways that I try to um, respond to that is with gratitude. So, mm -hmm. like, when someone is willing to say something that is what I can tell is, like, deeper on the surface, like, they admit to a struggle of some sort, or they admit to a frustration, or they say, like, I've been... whatever right having a hard time with something like i'll often say like you know thank you for sharing that like i appreciate you being vulnerable with me yeah that's something that i'm definitely very attuned to so i think that's one way in which i'm trying to learn how to like make more space for those moments i mean i i think i'm like i'm like a vulnerability like goblin gremlin yeah i'm like yeah. i'm oftentimes looking for it in, from other people no absolutely yeah um i think i'm the same i really um like, I kind of quickly decide if um, the if somebody I'm talking to and trying to connect with, like if uh, if we can't have an exchange of vulnerability, at that point I'm just like, I'm over it. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm moving on. Like, and this happened to me. Like, I would get so frustrated in dating, like small talk, like all like the like. I just got so tired because I just have never liked small talk. Um, I'm the person that. I mean, ultimately, and the, my therapist had to, like, reflect to me that I was probably just intimidating all these people as I was, like, trying to, like, get to know them. Because I would just dive right into conversations that were meaningful mm. and, like, that might be vulnerable. And when they were just on the level of just wanting to, like, talk about, like, what I like, do with my time, like, day. Like, yeah, what do you like, like to do on the weekend? Yeah, like, like, yeah, what's your uh, favorite type of, like, food? Or, like, uh, yeah, um what do you do for work um oh how did you get into that like um what interested you about that mm -hmm. um yeah what are your favorite things to do and i'm just like uh like come on <laughs> so like boring. i know and i'm like oh like so i'll say and then i would like go into other things and then they would like they ghost because like they're like too much too fast like mm -hmm. and i'm like all right well if you can't be vulnerable mm. like i can't do this anyway do you think that's an example of an overshare? Or do you think that's just an example of being like, this is how I prefer to present, even from an early encounter? And what I'm looking for is for people who can volley with me on this level. Um, for me, I mean, the way that I see it is like, this is just how I like, choose to show up in the world. Mm. Um, I'm kind of like, a, I wear it all on my sleeve. Like, um, now, because I think where it may be, I think, I think maybe one of the distinctions with where it may be overshare is, like, am I dumping this on you um, because, like, I can't carry it alone? Uh, or, like, I'm, like, uh, um, and it, is it because, like, I'm so just, like, so much, like, such a mess that I just can't even contain this inside me? Or am I expressing it to you? Like, maybe I've already, like, worked through it. And it's... I'm not even expressing it as, like, I need any kind of emotional support or anything like that. I'm just, like, matter-of-fact telling you about something that happened to me in my life. Mm. Um, as, like, a, a really formative part of my life. 
in showing you who I am and like trying to get to know you um, that's like I think maybe where I see a difference between vulnerability and overshare yeah I think it's I think if you've hmm, I see two I see two things come to mind number one I think the social environment social context can help can be a part of that decision making process yes yeah. mm-hmm. so for example like I feel like if you are at like I don't know like a bar or like a crowded in a crowded room where there's lots of surface chatter happening it's a party lots of talking people like taking shots woo like you know that may not be the place to talk a little about like to talk about all the ways that like all the ways that like my mother crushed my spirit at a young age <laughs> you know like time and place time well and place. i think it also depends on how you sell it yeah like sure if it's like um but yeah if i but if it's like you know like it i like it was i suppose i guess it depends on are you in that bar because you're meeting there as a date like to get to know each other mm. um i guess it depends um but uh i yeah i mean definitely context matters mm-hmm. um i think i'm the type where i'm just like again i like but i think it's probably partly the autism too where it's just mm-hmm. like <laughs> i don't adjust well to different contexts anyway sure. um, there are certain social cues that you're kind of like those don't really compute with me yeah and for me i'm just again i'm just probably gonna like just put it all out there and if you can't and if like that is a problem for you then okay i don't need this connection Mm. um i feel very fulfilled in my connections otherwise Mm. um but if you can if we can have this kind of like kind of connection then i'm here for it let me pose another question to you i feel like it's another it's it's a good next point for this has that ever has that wearing your heart on your sleeve and being willing to offer it in just about in pretty much most contexts has that ever backfired on you before sure um not in any way i couldn't handle mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah i mean i've had um i've had information i've shared like used against me yeah. um or like told to others that i didn't authorize or tell myself um and yeah in that way that feels like a violation um because yes even though i may be open with my story um to different people um it's still my story to tell yes um but uh um and like maybe if i were talking to the person that you just shared that you shared it with without my consent like i might have told them too but that's still not up for you to to decide for me um and so like in those situations maybe that's a way that my vulnerability has been used against me um but then i also think um about hmm i don't know i kind of actually i just lost my train of thought up oh that's okay <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i'm thinking along the same lines it's like because i sometimes do come i enter certain social situations and i might feel very like open and i might be quite vulnerable and open with someone and then i do sometimes find myself depending on the situation i might come walk away from that and being like i may ask myself 
question whether or not I overshared in that moment. And I'll also sometimes ask myself like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> Do I like trust that person with that information? You know, and like maybe kind of being like, I it actually comes from, oh, this is interesting. It kind of ties back to social anxiety. I mm. think I sometimes use ex, um, admissions of vulnerability as a way to break ice. Yeah. In a, con- in a conversation because like, I believe it's, I believe it's an effective tool for creating connection. But then the price of that is like... I mean, it's like the most like foundational tool for making connection. For sure. Uh, yeah, it is, I think, the true tool for, for making connection is like showing who you really are underneath like surface events. But I have found myself being like, I just shared a lot about my situation to a, ro- to a room or to an audience of people with whom like one-on-one, I may or may not have wanted to share all of that information with. Mm-hmm. And I find myself a little bit like embarrassed isn't the right word, but a little bit remorseful mm. per, per se about being like, oh, I might have like overstepped a little bit with that one. Okay. You know, in an attempt to like, in an attempt to like foster closeness, I maybe like offered up a lot of myself in a way that like I feel a little bit nervous about now. Yeah, and I think that maybe where it's like, what was you have to ask yourself because there is a. Like, what was your intention behind sharing it? Was your intention to, like, spark connection? It's or often was to fill a silence. Not often. It can or, be. It has been in the past. Or, like, was it, like, um, to, like, in a way, ask someone to carry it for you? Um, so, like, um, like, I think about, like, my work. So, I mean, we, where you talk about, like, where certain... In certain professions, it might vulnerability might look different. Um, in psychiatry, um, there's a long history of seeing vulnerability as a problem, um, mm-hmm. and it being a violation of ethical boundaries to share your own. Pe- we talk. I kind of talked last time about how therapists are supposed to be like blank slates um, that like their um, patients can use as a mirror for relationships in their lives, um, and it's and. Uh, there are a lot of like old school, um, old like old school philosophy or old school psychiatrists or therapists, um, psychologists like that will say that sharing your like personal information or sharing parts of your own story, your own experience, um, is a violation of ethical boundary. Um, or it can be there are different. They might use different phrases like you either crossed a boundary or you you approached it like you um, maybe uh, um, maybe. Um, like crossed it sort of but maybe you didn't like destroy the, the boundary the line yeah but um i actually went to a lecture that i loved because i've always believed that like it was one of my roles um was to model vulnerability for people um and so i actually went to this lecture which was a more like contemporary or modern kind of idea in mental health and it was at a psychiatric conference where it was a lecture on vulnerability and using vulnerability as a tool. Um, and I loved it so much, but one of the things that was so important to think about, especially, like, especially in my work, and it's something that I think about other in other contexts as well, is like if you're using it as a tool, um, like you have to be very intentional. Like I have to consider like, can this person hold this? Like based on my experience with them um, and my knowledge about them in their past, like can I hold this? Or, and then like, is this a result of, am I doing this as a result? We talked about transference last week. Transference is like the, the, an experience that a patient has for their 
clinician, mm. their mental health clinician. And then countertransference is the opposite. It's what a mental health clinician carries for their, like, ha- like their has patients. towards their patient. Um, and if a mental health professional is not aware of the countertransference they carry for someone. So, like, if I have a patient that reminds me of somebody I have conflict with in my life, am I treating them differently as a result of that? Um, and if I'm not aware of that, like, that can be really unethical or really problematic. Right. Um, but so, like, if I end up using my like so if i'm using vulnerability like let's say i'm like let's say i'm dealing with a lot right now like maybe um, i'm in the midst of a breakup um and like they're in the midst of a breakup and i'm like oh well like let me and i'm like being vulnerable and sharing my experience and really they've now become my therapist like Mm -hmm. um that's a problem um but if i um can use vulnerability and maybe like in a more general way talk about like the understanding the deep pain of like going through a breakup um and uh like how hard i can understand that this must be for them um like that is going to be very different than like oh my god my boyfriend he's leaving me he cheated on me and like blah blah like and then i'm just like now dumping on them and they're like whoa like okay mm-hmm. and if they start feeling bad for me then i've created an unhealthy dynamic you've like turned the table in a way that it, because my intention was for them to carry it for me yeah when i'm supposed to be carrying things for them right i'm supposed to be lightening their burden um but or but so then i think about that in other contexts and like am i and there might be times where I am vulnerable because I need someone to carry it for me. But then if I'm like sharing it in a broader context where um, like this is where I do think about context where I might share like the same kind of story, but in one context, I might be doing it in a way where I'm seeking support and I'm seeking help. I'm looking for somebody to like see here at me and carry it with me. Um, whereas in another one, I might just be like, matter of fact like talking about um an experience i had in my life i'm gonna probably phrase it differently um in like my approach um Mm -hmm. um but uh i might still share the same situation um but approach it very differently yeah based on the the function it's sort of serving yeah both might would be vulnerable or vulnerability both would involve vulnerability but they it might look different in each setting that makes sense that makes sense there was um and something else um i was oh i was remembering that point that i like where i lost my train of thought and that was like like when i think about one of the reasons that like that i i do tend to kind of share the same stories for my life and again while i might like adjust the way that i talk about them depending on the context um like i use them as gauges to see like is this someone that i want to have in my life Mm -hmm. um and so like if i were to share information and somebody was like drama i'm like well not that one yeah or when somebody else was like being like oh. thank you for that's i'm like that it means so much that you would share that i'm like okay you're solid yeah. um and and in like and in, in reality like when i look back um with the ways that i've been vulnerable in my life and shared my own story i mean which like i've done on here um 
more often than not, I have people come up and thank me. Um, and, uh, and show appreciation for mm-hmm. my willingness to, um, to share my story. Yeah. Rather than, um be negative i guess unless you think about like the numerous men that have ghosted me um as a result of like the countless um the countless people but but that's what you're saying it's i mean there's a certain there's a courage and a there's a persistence of courage in the process of continuing to offer it up Mm -hmm. by being like you know what i was a little burned by the fact that i was vulnerable with this person and they couldn't reciprocate it or even worse they might have made me actively feel bad for they called it out in a way that made me feel less than but kind of being like but you know what this is how i believe it works this is how i believe in connecting with people and i'm going to try it again with the next person and like sure maybe that next person's going to be a little better maybe they're going to be some of the same but like that's not going to change my mindset of being like i i am firmly convinced that like being vulnerable is a huge part of knowing who i can trust and who i can be close to mm-hmm. you know um yeah when i think about like when I'm interacting with people um, in, like, social settings or in the context of, like, when I when dating, like, trying to find a... Like, I'm like, I'm here for a partner. If you can't handle this, then, like, you're not the partner for me. Let's be real. Um, or in, like, social settings, like, I'm not here for just random acquaintances. Um, I'm not here um, for someone, like, to have people in my life that um, that I can't rely on. And so I don't care if I, like, put things out there um, and, uh, and they get different responses because then I can be, like, okay, reliable, genuine, like, um, shallow, like, uh, mm-hmm. hostile, like, all right, like, I know I can, I can quickly read people mm-hmm. as a result of what I put out there. It's, like, I guess, like, <laughs> echolocation, like dolphins. I'm, like, put it out there, like, and then I like see what bounces back. Yeah. And then I know I'm like okay I know like there were just like the you, like the people who can the people who can mirror that frequency. You're like this is someone who I feel comfortable with. Yeah. Do you think that vulnerability? Like, how do you train vulnerability? You know, if you're someone who struggles with it, what would be the process? Start small. How, how would you coach someone through the idea of like, okay, it sounds like you understand that it's important to be vulnerable and that it's a key ingredient to connection mm-hmm. and you want to, but you're unsure how to proceed. Yeah. What might you say? I think the same way I would help somebody with social anxiety or any phobia or just like, um, um, maybe when it comes to like fear of rejection or what have you, you know, mm-hmm. um, start small like i mean and when we're taught when we're helping somebody with anxiety like specifically more like phobias um or um like or like social anxiety um which has been called a phobia before but like um we do what we help we structure what's called like a hierarchy um of fear um or hierarchy of anxiety or we just call it like a um a gradual exposure plan Um, And we say, okay, think of as many scenarios as you can that would cause anxiety or, um, like, be difficult, cause discomfort. Um, And then rank them. Um, Like, what one is, start, like, what would be the most uncomfortable? And then all the way down to, like, what's the least uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. And 
then start at the bottom. Like start practicing, because these kinds of things, they take practice. And so it's like start practicing with the things that are least uncomfortable or that, uh, mm -hmm. that don't feel as uncomfortable. Um, and as you develop more proficiency with, uh, with those, then go up the, the hierarchy mm -hmm. to the, the next thing. Um, and we often kind of say we want people to be operating in, um, they'll call them like SUDs or like subjective units of distress or the um, optimal, I can't remember exactly, the optimal zone or the proximal zone of like comfort. I can't remember exactly the words, but um, it's basically like we, and if you, so if you think of like 10 being the most anxious ever, the most uncomfortable, can't do this, like I would fall Worst apart. Worst case scenario. Um, and zero being like absolutely no discomfort. Like um, we find that the most, the optimal range for people overcoming their fears um, or overcoming anxiety or being able to tolerate discomfort. I think, oh, proximal zone of tolerance, I think is something they might be called. Okay. Um, and we, we generally tell people that we want you to be somewhere at like a four or five that's what i would have i would have guessed like a five because like six and up or like above a six that can like end up making the phobia worse or the anxiety worse like that can um kind of almost like re-traumatize in a way or like kind of kind of like um and so but like in that zone of like four or five it's enough discomfort that um we you like should be able to tolerate it um, but like, it's not too little that you're just going to like, Wave it off not or... grow. Um, and like, um, in being able to sit with it's the four or like five, not, it's sort of not threatening enough yeah. to like trigger a desire to like really work through it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like a four or five is like enough that you can sit with it, uh, and, um, ultimately grow. Um, and so like, if like the lowest on your list is going to be like a zero one two. like skip those just go to the ones that are going to be uncomfortable enough that you can grow um and challenge yourself but not so comfortable that it's too easy mm -hmm. um and uh and so like you identify those things so like what are the ways that i could practice vulnerability that feel safe but challenging mm -hmm. and then start doing that so, you, so this would be like, like say a patient in this scenario would be generating their own, would be using this scale and generating their own examples of like, this is a situation in which I would feel sort of a zero or a one. This is a situation where I feel 10. This is a situation where I feel five. And then have them play that out mm -hmm. as part of a an experiment. And then eventually I would imagine, like this strikes me as the kind of thing that like a therapist would give their client homework for them. oh yeah being like hey so we did all this work to figure out that like in this type of social context like this is where you feel like you're at about a bit of five and we agreed that like the desired behavior that you're trying to promote is going to be xyz so the next time you find yourself in the situation ding 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 think about the awareness of it try to employ this strategy and see how things go mm -hmm. i can see that very much being a thing sort of systematizing behaviors in a way systemizing systematizing whatever you know what i mean um, in such a way that they become little experiments that you can kind of play out and then sort of bring back yeah. and do a little bit of analysis um, in order to kind of um, condition yourself 
right? That, mm-hmm. that, that vulnerability, I guess vulnerability is a learned skill that can be practiced and improved upon. Maybe not, I would, I would argue, not really perfected per se, but definitely improved upon. Well, yes, perfection isn't perfection real. Perfection doesn't exist. <laughs> my, uh, I had a, um, one of my training supervisors, um, he loved to always repeat, like, um, and he, he would always lead people with, you know, what they say, practice makes, and, you know, like, without skimming beat, everyone was always like, perfection! And he'd be like, and he'd just say, no, practice makes permanent. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, interesting. I've yeah. not heard that phrase before, but yes. Yeah, or practice makes progress. Practice. Uh, that's what I would assume. Practice makes. Um, practice makes progress. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's how we um, how our patterns of behavior were solidified in the first place. So it's gonna take a lot of practice to uh, start to um, change them. Yeah, I like that. I love that. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Um, mm. On the topic of vulnerability, I think uh, I know. I guess I, well, I guess we really talk about like barriers. I guess we kind of have like slipped them in here or there. A little bit. Um, I mean, I, I would say like when we talked a little bit about like what makes people respond poorly to yeah. vulnerability. I think that largely represented the reasons the reasons why people feel unsafe in yeah. engaging with it. Yeah, and we did talk about like yeah we talked about like social norms or. Like a like past experience um, being a barrier, and then of course like I think a I think a big one which we did touch on too like that fear of rejection, um, but you know like rejection is one of those inevitable experiences that come from showing up in life yeah. that like if we want to form connection, um, which is so important for our mental health and our well being, yeah. um, and just like having meaningful lives. Um, is by having connection, we, uh, it's inevitable that we're going to be rejected. Um, like, uh, I mean, you know, just like I'm saying, like, yeah, people reject my vulnerability and therefore, like, I recognize, I don't like, of course, like I could look at that and say they're rejecting me. Mm. Um, but ultimately I'm like, they're doing me a favor. (laughs) Like you've just shown me it's that you're not, not someone work. I want anyway. It's not gonna work out. Like it's yeah, not, it's not meant to be. There's not a connection, and that's okay. I don't feel a connection with everyone. Like it doesn't have to be a personal thing. Yeah. Um. But you know, if we want meaningful connection in our lives, we're going to experience rejection, and we need to make that okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think yeah. Big takeaways for me here are that. Vulnerability is a close relative to, if not in a lot of ways, in the emotional space, in the psychological space, like the alter ego in a lot of ways for courage, right? Mm -hmm. Emotional courage, um, and is a key ingredient for connection and a sense of authenticity. Um, Yeah, it's not weakness. It's, um, it's, yeah, that willingness. Um, I had a thought earlier. This is kind of random, but I'm going to throw it in because I just thought of it. Um, about training vulnerability. And I yeah. thought to myself, one cool place that I could imagine starting starting off is to learn how to be vulnerable with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, as cheesy as it sounds, to be able to, like, journal about it or, like, look in the mirror and even say, like, 
Yeah, you know, you're going through a tough time right now. Like you're really struggling. Like you don't know how to do this. That's okay though. Like, and you're, yeah, you can learn how to do this. What you just demonstrated was self-compassion. Yeah, that, those are the steps to self-compassion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, first like because it's such a human experience to want to deny that we're having a hard time. We want to we because we shouldn't have we shouldn't struggle. We should be able to get through this. Um, like it's one of the problems with mental health stigma. It's like. I should be able to just like mind over matter and just will myself out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in denying ourselves the acknowledgement that we're struggling, that we're having a hard time, that we're exist- experiencing pain, we end up making it worse for ourselves. Um, and we often judge ourselves for it, yeah. but we have to just acknowledge it and, and it creates more say weight. that it's okay. Yeah. It and makes... it's okay to have be like this because all humans experience pain it's the most inevitable human experience um we don't all experience the same pain um or to the same degree um but we all experience pain you can't get through life without pain yeah yeah mm. do we end on that, is that <laughs> i good, don't know is, is that it, too dark is that, <laughs> uh i don't know but like uh yeah i mean like i think <laughs> it, i guess i should say like there's hope though Cause like um, <laughs> like joy, meaning, um, like uh, connection, those are all antidotes to pain. Um, they might, yes, they might uh, like pursuing them might risk pain because rejection, loss, like all of these kinds of things, um, like are the flip sides. They're the they're the costs of showing up in the world and living life, um, but like. Those things are also the antidote. Yeah. And it's up to us um, to uh, make them happen in life. If we want them, we have to go get them. And that's going to involve some vulnerability. I love it. Matt, you were like the... You are like the fearless leader in this conversation. I appreciate all your insights because I think there's a lot from your skills training and your, and your vocational training that speaks to this. Um, and it helped to formalize for me some of the things that, some of the forces that I've definitely been, I'm certainly savvy to them and I understand, I can see them when they're happening. But I think it, it's good to know that there's like a, there's a strong and developing science around this. And there's a very clear connection to quality of life when it comes to vulnerability because understanding our relationship to pain and what it represents and understanding that that's a part of the process and that by sharing it with others you're actually you're actually making it it is healthier to process in the presence of others and have that community than it is to bear that burden alone i can very much see a connection between an inability to be vulnerable about what you're experiencing and that being closely tied to things like anxiety and mm-hmm. depression which are these scary silent killers mm-hmm. for a lot of people maybe in the very literal real sense but also in the very metaphorical and emotional sense like you know um people feel lonely and feel closed off and we kind of wonder why that is mm-hmm. and a question we can ask is like when's the last time you were vulnerable with somebody yeah right when's the last time somebody was vulnerable with you and you felt that sense of like oh my gosh like we all struggle yeah right? 
Um, I think one of the, like, when it comes to those things, one of the sad things that I hear is people who, like, they don't feel like they deserve um, to have others help, like, to carry what Mm -hmm. they're going through or deserve to have someone um, see them. And that's what oftentimes keeps people, another thing that keeps people from being vulnerable and what keeps them, um, like, uh, in the cycle of depression or anxiety mm-hmm. is because they feel like they have to do it alone. Yeah. That's a scary thing. What was I just going to say? I had a thought. Oh, did I cut you off? No, not at all. I don't know. I I think my thought was to was to at this point to kind of pose pose a question, mm-hmm. right? So maybe the question to pose for listeners is, you know, in what ways do you embrace vulnerability with yourself? In what ways do you show it with other people? Right. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I, I just I just remembered. When you're talking about vulnerability with yourself, the other thing that I wanted to make note of is the importance of like meditation and learning to just sit and be and with stillness, mm-hmm. um, and and be able to sit with your thoughts and your feelings, mm-hmm. um, because uh, if you can't be vulnerable in that way with your like with yourself, then ultimately you just leave all these things um, unresolved. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they'll just like keep haunting you. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to hear, um, other people's like experiences with vulnerability and the ways that maybe it'll help them deepen a connection, um, or help them, uh, um, work through something that they otherwise might not have if they didn't share. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do want to also say we cannot like end this episode without like naming Brene Brown and her work on vulnerability. Um, oh my gosh! Like yes. one of the like uh, probably a leading expert in the um, uh, and uh, in the research that's been done about vulnerability. And so um, if you haven't, um, you have to check out her work if you'd like to know more about vulnerability. Yeah, her book that was a big deal that um, I read this one a while ago and it was a very impactful book would happily read again it's called Daring Greatly I think this was one of this is this was one of her breakout pieces Mm -hmm. um, where it's kind of centered around shame as a concept and about vulnerability and kind of how the two interact with each other Mm -hmm. and she provides suggestions for how to model she just demonstrates the power of it and why she thinks relationships stand to benefit a lot from it and then how to exercise it and how mm-hmm. to put it into practice in your life. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. I think you should put the other... The other you had some acronyms from your practice that you brought up. Um, SUDS. Oh, right. Um, I think, like, and there was that one other one that you were thinking of. We'll make sure to put that in there as well. Yeah, the so, proximal zone of tolerance. I think that's one. what it is. Yeah, and maybe we'll give a little link or something like that. Yeah, I also like um, Braving the Wilderness um, by Brene Brown. Oh, um, I don't think I've read that one. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. It's about courage. Okay. I like, uh, yeah, I don't know, I feel like I, you can't, I don't know, I just have like Madonna's song in my head. Made it through the wilderness. I don't know, <laughs> that like just popped in my head. That's wonderful yeah. though. <laughs> like, I, yeah, 
there are some book recommendations for you. We have some questions for you. Um, yeah, let us know what you think, and uh, we'll check you guys out next time. Yeah. Sound good? Tune in. All right. Bye.